Hey everybody, what is the first thing you should do when you're having a problem with your electronic device? I would tell you, here's the craziest thing of all. I've been working on this message for weeks and I know what I should do, right? I know it. I should turn the phone completely off and turn it back on. But this day, this very day, like Ben, who's behind the camera right now, I couldn't get through to him because there was something wrong with my phone. And then Krista, she's trying to call me and she couldn't get through to me. Finally, she texts me because I could get, get the text. She says, turn your phone off and back on. Hey, when you're having a problem with your device and you call a text expert and maybe, and I've done this before, this is so, so crazy. I'll struggle with something for weeks. Like, why am I having this problem? And I'll finally call the text expert. And the first question is, well, have you rebooted your device? Oh my gosh. Power down, power up. Sometimes I just overlook the thing that is just so incredibly obvious. Well, welcome to Reboot. We're going to go through this letter to the church in Colossae. It's called Colossians, and it's simple, on-point, powerful, practical, beautiful letter, only four chapters long, that just hits the nail right on the head about how to reboot our lives. We need a new operating system. What operating system are you using right now? You know, I had to look it up on my Mac just to figure out because it seems like I get a new operating system all the time. It says, here's a brand new operating system for you. It's going to be better than ever. It's going to fix the glitches and the bugs and all the problems from the past. I had to look it up. I'm on Monterey right now. Who knows what I'll be on two weeks from now, but there's always a, a better operating system. We have an operating system. Like We have this operating system we've been working with, but it's not quite working right. And we need a new, better operating system that gets rid of the bugs. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, there's somebody in my life, my wife, who does not like bugs. Not at all. I'll never forget. We, when we first were married, came home one night. I, I played on the college basketball team. And I came back from a game late one night. And she was in the parking lot of our apartment sitting in the car. I'm like, what are you doing in the car? She said, I saw a roach. I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. So we go inside. She had been ironing and this roach came out. Like when it started to heat up the iron, this roach came out of the top. And there on the ironing board, I don't know if it was raid or, or something about starch. She had starch spray or not, but she literally drowned the roach. Like, I don't know if the chemical killed the roach or the roach drowned, but she hates bugs. Now, some of us have dealt with lice or mice. And I tell you what, I cannot put up with a mouse in the house at all. You might come by my house one day and everything's been completely torn down and all is there is the foundation. You say, what happened? I say, I found a mouse in the house. I just tore the whole place apart. What is going to fix the bugs in our life? What's going to fix the bugs in your life? Today, I want to talk about our universal addiction. And here's the theme verse for this brand new series we're starting today. It comes from Colossians 1.13, where it says, Jesus rescued us from dark powers. There's dark powers at work in our lives and in the world. But Jesus Christ rescues us from those dark powers by giving us a brand new, perfect, fix all the bugs, glitches, and everything else to our operating system. Everybody, here's the situation. Addictions. We're going to talk a little bit about addictions throughout this series. I've got to say this, though, is, is that here's what the experts are saying. The culture in America 
has been perfectly tuned for the exponential proliferation of addictions. Yes. Why is that? What is going on in our world that has caused so much addictions? And to start us off, I want to talk about our universal addiction. The most affluent nations in the world are suffering more physical pain, anxiety, depression, and suicide. That is what Dr. Anna Lemke says in her book, Dopamine Nation. And I am so thrilled that she is going to be a part of this series on multiple Sundays. Uh, we're doing an interview with her and we're going to feature her interview multiple times. Now, Dr. Lemke is a best-selling author. She's a psychiatrist. She is the chief of addiction medicine at Stanford University and is also a professor at Stanford University. I am so thrilled because she's going to unpack for us why is America, this such a fluent nation, feeling more physical pain and anxiety than all these other things that we're dealing with? Why is that happening? And she just hits home run after home run after home run in this interview. So you're going to be a part of that. Matter of fact, in person, we are on multiple Sundays giving away the book that's on the screen right now, Dr. Lemke's book, Dopamine Nation. Uh, it's just going to be such a great time with her. Now, what is that universal addiction? Well, the Bible is so clear with that. Different words are given to it. Sin, soil, sarks, death, all of these things, flesh, right? What is sarks? So it's this word that is used by Paul in the scriptures that means we're turned in or we're curved in upon ourselves. And we all have it. We're all self-focused. It's like Romans 3.23. Paul writes, all have sinned and fallen short. That's our universal addiction. We've all sinned. We all have pride. Some people say, John, you don't talk about sin enough. Hey, I feel like I talk about it all the time. We're going to talk about it a lot today. It means to be proud. One of the reasons I'm reluctant to use the word a lot around grace is because some people have been called sinners by sinners who are sinning when they are calling them sinners, right? It's because we use that word, you sinner, in a sinning way. So it has a lot of baggage, but this is our universal addiction and we all 100% have it. Now, there is an antidote to this universal addiction. There is a medication we can take and that medication, Paul says, is faith. That's why 10 times in just four chapters, he says, faith, faith, faith. Check out what he says in Colossians chapter two, verse number 12. He says, you were raised to life because of your faith. You have something in your life that needs to be raised up, born again, resurrected, come back to life. Some area, some thing, some relationship, some hope, some dream, whatever. What's going to get it to come to life again? Faith is because faith is powerful. It brings dead things back to life. God wants to rescue us from the dark powers that are robbing us from the life that we truly want. So what exactly does biblical faith mean? Well, the word faith means this, to be committed to or loyal to or devoted to. So it would mean this, to be committed to, loyal to, devoted to the very same virtues that Jesus Christ was committed to, loyal to, and devoted to. And Paul makes that so clear to us in Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, this is what it says. Put to death. Let's stop right there. Death. Remember, sin, death, pride, sarks, flesh, all the same thing. So what Paul is saying here is death, anti-faith. Don't have faith in these things. What should we be disloyal to? Here's the things that we should be disloyal to. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. Now, a lot is made about people and sex and what you can and cannot do. I just, let, let, let's, let's put some things in the proper context here, everybody. Okay. In the world, for most of history, like even things as terrible as rape were condoned. Like it was okay to rape certain people. You could do, that's terrible. Such a terrible thing. Do you know anybody, or maybe this has happened to you, where you experienced some type of sexual abuse? Have you ever been cheated on? Have you ever talked to somebody whose spouse had an affair or somebody who was romantically involved where they were cheated on? Hey, I sat with somebody, a spouse one night and listened as their spouse confessed to adultery. And it shakes me to this day, the pain. They screamed out in pain, crying. It's like the the house shook with that pain. I will never forget it. You never want to experience that. And Paul is saying, don't be loyal to sexual immorality because that brings so much darkness. He goes on, be disloyal, not devoted to sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, evil desires, and greed. Oh man, greed causes so much pain. Greed for money, power, and how we abuse other people. He's saying, be completely unfaithful to these things. Because of the wrath of God is coming. And we often hear the word wrath. Oh, the wrath of God. You know what? When I see something terrible that's happened in the world, one of the first things I say, oh God, please show up and do something about this. Well, here you go. That's what that is saying. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. Have you ever suffered from anger where like you just, your anger was out of control and you just caused all kinds of destruction? Have you suffered from somebody else's anger, whether that's personally or professionally, and it caused so many problems? Anger, rage, road rage, air rage, all kinds of rage, rage, malice, slander. You ever been slandered? Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Has anybody ever lied to you? You know how bad that is? That's death. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. Everybody, I'm going to read this list right now. I got to tell you this. And this is where I keep saying the Bible is uniquely original. It gives us an operating system that no human being invented. We just need to be serious and realistic about this. These words I'm going to read to you right now. We talk about the equality of all people. We say, yo, yes, everybody is equal. Everybody is equal. Everybody, nobody was writing this ever 2000 years ago. Not only were they not writing it, they weren't even thinking it. So if you love equality and you think all people should be created equal, here it is. This is where it's being spoken for the first time. These are revolutionary words. So anybody that you know who says, I love equality, here you go. 
Here is how it was introduced to the world. And Paul is just simply riffing off of what was spoken in Genesis chapter 1. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised, there's no barbarian, there's no Scythian, there's no slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all and is in all. We are all equal, all children of God, equal playing field, loved and valued by God equally, revolutionary. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and here it comes, here's what faith is, Paul This is so important. How are you going to get rescued from dark powers? How are you going to get lifted out of the hell that you're in? How is your life going to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ at work? Paul says, I need to show you what faith is. Here is what it looks like in a very tangible, provable, practical way. Clothe yourself with compassion. Put compassion on. Be devoted to compassion. Be faithful and loyal to compassion as Christ was. Kindness. Interesting word there. Kindness actually means a lot about character and integrity. Character is king. You ever been in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have character? Then you know the pain of not having character can bring into our lives. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Well, boop, there it is. Faith at its finest. Paul is giving us a picture of faith at its finest. This is the things that Jesus Christ was faithful to, come on and be faithful with him, loyal to these things. I want to slow down the pace here for just a second. I want to talk about something that was written a number of decades ago by a scholar at Duke Seminary. His name is Richard Hayes, and he has received a lot of support in this. So we know about having faith in Christ, like I believe in Jesus, okay? But what Hayes gets into is in Galatians chapters 3 and 4, That where it says having faith in Christ, Hayes says that actually a better translation, at least in that section, and that important section of Galatians chapters 3 and 4 is better translated of having the faith of Christ. So I can have faith in Christ, and there's another side to that coin, the power of faith is to have the faith of Christ. In other words, it means this. Jesus Christ was very faithful to some things. What were the things he's faithful to? Well, Paul outlines them for us in what I just read in Colossians chapter 3. Be faithful to compassion and kindness and character, forgiveness, love. Jesus Christ was all the time faithful to that. There was never a time that he was unfaithful to that. Now, let's unpack it a little bit more. There is only one time in all of Scripture that Jesus Christ was amazed, which is striking in itself. One time. He was amazed at the great faith in Matthew chapter 8 of the Roman centurion. Now, what's a Roman centurion? These were hardened soldiers, skilled at bringing misery. Like the Roman centurion was there at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because they were so skilled in bringing pain and misery and death. And here this Roman centurion has a servant in his household. How does a Roman centurion look at a servant in his household? Just a number. This servant is sick, ill, at the point of death. 
how, what's the normal way the centurion would look at this servant? Get rid of him, throw him out, kill him, bring in a new servant. Just another number. But shocking, shocking, amazed Jesus is that this centurion takes it upon himself, his time, his effort, his energy to come and find Jesus, makes a trip to find Jesus and say, will you please heal my servant? What? You have that much love and compassion for a servant? And Jesus says, I am amazed at your faith. Take Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a thief. And in one day's time, he decides that he's no longer going to be faithful to thiefdom. And instead, he's going to make things right. And Jesus says, okay, today salvation has come. How about, how about great athletes? You ever say about an athlete, oh, I have great faith in that athlete. You know, we talk this way, right? I have faith. Who do you have great faith in? Well, I have great faith when Michael Jordan played in Michael Jordan. Not because he was so talented, but because his faithfulness to prepare. Kobe Bryant, the same thing. They were so faithful in their preparation. Tom Brady, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady, but he is the GOAT for sure. And I always tell people, oh man, don't, don't bet against Brady. Why? Because his faithfulness to the principles of his preparation are just incredible. So much has been written about it. He prepares, he prepares, he prepares. And it is those people who stop being faithful to the principles who write down the tank. Okay, there you go. There it is. Paul wants to make it so clear to us. What was Jesus Christ faithful to? Remember 10 times in Colossians, faith, it resurrects the dead things in our lives. If you'll be faithful to the very things that Jesus Christ was faithful to, as Paul lists there in Colossians, you can resurrect the dead. You can resurrect dead things in your life. Be faithful to those. Last point about this. The word, and Matt talked about this a few weeks ago. The thing that Jesus Christ talked about more than anything else is the kingdom of God. The kingdom. There is a king. Jesus Christ is the king. His kingdom has values and virtues that fits very well with gospel because gospel is a royal term. So there is a king that you pledge allegiance to. A pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. You know how it goes. You pledge allegiance to the values and the virtues of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that amazes Jesus at that great faith. And that faith is an antidote to our sin, our pride, our sarks. It resurrects. So what Paul is inviting us to is to have faith in Christ, but also to have the faith of Christ. To not only believe in Jesus, but also to be a follower of Jesus by having faith in the same things that Jesus Christ was faithful to. And when we do that in Colossians, Jesus rescues us from dark powers. That's how we get out of the dark powers that entrap us so often. Now, I want to conclude this first message in this series by talking about something that has to do with faith and is so foundational to breaking any addiction. All addiction 
freedom from all addictions, including this addiction to sin, pride, and flesh, and sarks, is rooted in radical honesty. Because addictions, like they thrive in lies, they flourish in the darkness. So we need radical honesty. And a few moments ago, I said that, you know, Christ was faithful to kindness. And that word is tied to character and integrity, which is honesty. First of all, the first thing about radical honesty is I have to be radically honest about the fact that I am addicted to sin. (laughs) I am. It's so well proven in my life that I just have a very difficult time with my own pride, with my own sarks, as it was. And I need to just speak it. I need to name it. I need to say it and be realistic about it. Second thing is this. Uh, because of my addiction to sin, I have an unlimited capacity for self-deception. Everybody, the reason I'm late to work is because life is complicated. The reason you're late to work is because you're a lazy sinner. I have an unlimited capacity at self-deception. I said to Krista, I said, Krista, uh, is there ever been a time or a story you could share with me where I'm frustrated with you about something, but I do the same thing like all the time? And she said, how much time do you have? Okay, so we have this blindness and I just need, I, I need to realize that. So when, when I get frustrated with somebody else because of, the, and it's so easy to see other people's sins, the first question I have to learn to ask me, which is a vaccine or an antidote to my pride, right? Is to say to myself, where am I doing the same thing in my own life? So rather than getting so upset with that other person, here's the way to begin to break this addiction of my own sin is I ask myself, where am I doing the exact same thing? So third thing where we need to be radically honest about operating system. Began this whole thing with an operating system. We need a brand new operating system. And that system is called Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the operating system that works. We have lots of operating systems. They fix bugs and glitches and they're better and improved. Here's the operating system that is going to work for all time ever. Okay, and that is Jesus. Jesus is going to work. We need to be really honest about this. Human beings will never create this operating system. Like God has to reveal it to us. I want to talk about the enlightenment. A lot of times I talk about the uh, enlightenment and, um, you know, we have to be honest that the enlightenment brought incredible technical advances. But part of the problem with the enlightenment is during that time, we're like, God, we're kicking you out. We don't need you. Uh, we don't need God. There's no reason for God. We got it from here. We can invent our own thing. You know, recently there was something funny. I don't know why this came across uh, a news feed that I was looking at because um, the 50th anniversary of what I'm getting ready to tell you about actually happened in 2020. But I just recently got this. It's like a year and a half old. But nonetheless, November 12th, of uh, 2020 was the 50th anniversary of the exploding whale. In Florence, Oregon, back in 1970, this massive whale came up on the shore. And here they've got this whale that's close to 20,000 pounds, something like that, some massive amount, right? And they don't know what to do. And it smells and it stinks and it's huge. And they're like, what should we do? So they put all their brains together and they said, Here's how we're going to handle this big stinky problem that's going on on our beach because we got to get rid of it. They brought in 
an incredibly large amount of dynamite, like way too much dynamite. And they stuck it under the whale and they were just going to disintegrate the thing. I'm like, this is a great idea. This is the best of humanity uh, and all of our brains and how we're going to handle this situation. And so they're there with a news crew filming this and talking about the problems and how they're going to solve it, blah, blah. So it shows them and they're putting the dynamite there. And then here it comes. Kaboom! Oh, my gosh. Massive pieces of whale blubber flew in the air a quarter mile away and like destroyed cars. Thank goodness that one of those massive pieces didn't fall on somebody, but they like completely trashed cars. Everybody, we are trying to solve this problem with our own operating system. And all we're doing is walking around with whale blubber hanging off of us, destroying our lives and just driving us into deeper parts of darkness. Look, God has a better way. And the way is proven. It's proven. He introduced it to us. We didn't invent it ourselves. He invented it, introduced it to us in the pages of the Bible, and it works. So you want to get out of the darkness in your life. You want to bring things back to life. You want to participate in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Have faith in Christ, yes, but also have the faith of Christ. Be faithful to the very things that Jesus Christ was faithful to. Go back through what we read just a few moments ago, Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14, and look at the virtues that Jesus Christ was faithful to. Those are the things that will lead us out of darkness, out of the dark powers, as Paul says in Colossians 1, 13. Pick one of those and say, you know what? I'm going to really be faithful to this. Now, I want to encourage you, and it'll make sense as we go throughout this series. Pick the one in those verses, whether it's compassion or kindness, which really means to do a lot with integrity and character or forgiveness. Pick one of those virtues, whichever one is the most painful to you, and say, I am going to be focused on that this week. I'm going to be faithful to that this week. Maybe you have unforgiveness towards somebody Whoever, whatever situation is the most painful, pick that one to be faithful to. Maybe you have not been kind to somebody. Remember, again, that means honesty and character and integrity. Maybe you've been dishonest. Maybe you haven't told somebody the truth. Maybe you've lied to somebody. Be faithful to that and go make that wrong right. But pick whichever one this week is. If you really want to break free from dark powers and say, you know what? I'm going to have the faith of Christ. I'm going to push into the biblical idea of faith. And I'm going to free myself from this addiction to sin and pride. And I'm going to work on that by the power of Christ working in me. That's what's going to bring dead things back to life in us. Pick the one that's most painful to you and work on that all of this week. I'm praying for you. God has great plans in store for you. And I'd like us to conclude this week, every week, with the serenity prayer. So would you please pray with me? It's on the screen there for you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen.